Welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me this week to look back on yesterday's cup success over Airdrie is Jamie McDonald. Jamie, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Good to get cup progression and not draw one of the old farms, so not too much to complain about. It sure is. The end is surely near. Rhys Haldane's here. Rhys, are you well? I am good. Uh, always good to get on the pod on the back of a Thistle win, and as Jamie said, um, progression into the hat the next round it's all that matters at the end of the day it doesn't matter if it was, wasn't the most pleasing spectacle to watch yesterday but next round absolutely and rounding off our panel is david forrest david how are you hello i'm well um absolute scenes in the woody afterwards when everyone was cheering on the cup draw as we didn't get celtic or rangers and got a home tie it was carnage it was like a cup win in its own time but um yeah I, i'm looking forward to discussing the game yeah, we will go into the game. We normally start with the game, but since it was the Cup, we'll make a, a change to our normal running order. And the most common listener question we had was about the big topic of the week before yesterday. It was Zach Rudden's pre-contract agreement at Dundee. Uh, Ross Alexander got in touch and said, given the recent history, is there a worse club he could have chosen? Uh, possibly Andrew. And uh, Tam, Brit- Tam Britton's asked, should Rudden stay now or should he go now? Should he stay till the end of the season or should he leave? Jamie, I'll come to you first. What were your initial reactions when you heard the news that Zach Rodden had signed a pre-contract at Dundee? I was kind of resigned to losing Rodden, so I wasn't shocked to see he was leaving. But I didn't expect him to go to Dundee. I know it probably just sounds like we're being salty, saying that it's not a great move. But it's not the best move. You're going to be real. They're in relegation trouble. And there's no guarantee we go up, of course. But there's absolutely no guarantee that they stay up. It's not unlikely that they could come down. I'm not saying they will, but there's a possibility. And it's a possibility we could go up. So if we pass each other, it'd just be Ryan Williamson, V2. But even if even if we don't go up, then he's going to be in the same league again next season. So he may as well have stayed with us. A club he's, you know, a club he's known at, a club where he's got a good relationship with the fans. He does well here. It's a good environment. He's got a good partnership with Brian Graham. I just think it was not the most logical move. And it's a three-year deal he's signed there as well. I was expecting them. If Motherwell, if he'd signed for Motherwell, they kind of had been like, fair enough, you know, that is legitimately a step up right now. They're a Premiership club who have ambitions about trying to push to try and maybe get into Europe. So I, I get why he'd want to move there, but and Dundee just doesn't seem like just doesn't seem like a great move for him. So I'm just surprised that's where he's gone for. It seems maybe jump the gun on the offer a bit. I'm not sure, but as I said, I know it sounds like we're being salty, but it's actually what that is what I think. I was hoping, I was just hoping that he would stay until the end of the season and then if we did go up he'd just stay at us and just sign a new contract with us if we were playing in the Premiership next season but if we stayed there I've had no hopes of him staying and on the fact should we keep him until the end of the season if he if he's committed then yes I want him until the end of the season to help us go up but if he if he really wants to leave and he's trying to force a move then I think we should just I don't I don't want to see him leave but there's no point in having someone who doesn't want to be here and if they're going to cause an issue which I, I don't I don't see him doing hopefully I think he will want to fight on to the end of the season but if he does try push for a move then we should, I think we should just take the money and try to bring in someone else if, if that if he legitimately doesn't want to be here but that's the only reason I want to uh, he should go but otherwise I want to stay. Rhys what about you would you be keen for him to hang around for how knowing where he's going at the end of the season or would you take some money for him now and try and get somebody else in this month? I, first of all, as Jamie says, I just think it's such a strange move. Like, I just don't understand the appeal of Dundee right now. I, I'd understand they probably pay a bit more money than us in terms of wages, but and I said a couple of weeks ago, a lot of young players, I feel, get badly advised. They see the lights of playing in the Premiership, and generally there is no real difference between the top teams in the Championship and the bottom teams in the Premiership. Do you know what I mean? And if anything, we're a better fit for them. I imagine they will be paying him a lot of money and they're no stranger to a bit of financial difficulty, so it's not exactly the safest club to be going to either. 
and the whole pre-contract thing, it doesn't make sense to me because you look at the clubs that are sort of sniffing around Rudden at the moment. There was Motherwell, St Johnston, I'm sure, St Mirren and Dundee and stuff like Come the end of the season, had he not signed a pre-contract, he's kind of got the pick of the bunch. You can see, I'm sure the money will still be good wherever he goes, but to sign a, 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 a pre-contract with six months on your contract to go to go to a team who they look like they're on the way down, it's not a not the, the greatest contract for himself anyway. But in terms of staying at us, uh, I had a good think about it the other day when it got announced. That you're annoyed, you're a bit frustrated because you start thinking his mind's elsewhere, like... I do think Rudden is the type of player that will still give it his all for us. And to be fair, he's never been a badge kisser or anything. He's never been saying, oh, this is my home. I love this place. He's, he's a passionate and uh, hardy player that goes about his work and gives it his all anyway. But he always felt it was a bit of a, a stepping stone for him as such. But And as Jamie says, if he went to a Motherwell or a, a Hibs or something, I could understand. But it's a bit of kicking the teeth I'm going to Dundee. Would I keep him till the end of the season? Let's be honest, we're not going to get a better player than Rudden in a week's notice, you know what I mean, to come in and do what he's doing. So I had keep him he's a fissile player till the end of his contract, so I it's what we paid the money for, it's what he signed the deal for. So can run it down now all he likes um, if we are, if we want to keep up with the promotion push. David, what about you? Would you be keeping running about? Yeah, it's one of those things where like on short notice, I don't know if you're necessarily going to get someone the same level as Rudden who can also replicate the form that Rudden has with Graham. I mean, Dundee have signed him on a pre-contract as opposed to signing him in January. So unless some team is is mental enough to try and sign him on a six-month contract that runs out in June, where he is definitely going somewhere else, I, I don't know. It's well, that, it, that that won't be the case. It'll be Dundee coming in to buy him early. Is the the sort of situation we've got? I think. Yeah, it's just, I, I don't know, like, it, it's a weird one, it's, again, obviously, like, I think a lot of us are detached a little bit from the fact that, obviously, it's a job for footballers, that, at the, at the end of the day, for lots of them, it, it's it's a livelihood, and that and not much more than that, there is people, obviously, like Brian Graham and stuff like that, who kind of fall in love with a place, and, you know, and they grow a great affection to it, but, ultimately, if a team's going to pay you better elsewhere, a lot of the time, that's going to be a pool, and, it's just a very peculiar one for me about Dundee and that, like, if you if you're Zach Rudden, what last year, and you see Ryan Williamson going to Falkirk, signing a pre-contract, and then them blowing it, and then ending up in League One, will you go up? Surely, like a year later, you you would maybe hedge your bets a little bit and go, this team is a bit of a riot, and they are they are a riot at the moment. Like, it's not like they're flying high fourth in the league or anything like that. I'm not saying they're destined to be relegated or anything like that because there is a bunch of teams there that are really scrapping at the moment. But I, I, ju- I just, I don't know. Like, if you'd seen that last year, you, you would think you would connect the dots and maybe go, mm, maybe hedge my bets. Because as we says, you know, it, there's other teams that were, that were wanting them. I, I was speaking to a Motherwell fan um, on Friday uh, in my work and they were all like surprised they, they didn't know that he'd went in the pre-contract it was only a couple of hours after it had been signed and they said that they were actively trying to get him and it's it's one of those things where it's like well you know there was teams that were sniffing about and again there was play you know scouts up from down south last month and uh, last week and all that and there was suitors for him and it's just Especially because Dundee, and I know obviously we're we're a bit bitter about the whole you know email and the junk junk folder and stuff like that. But even then, the sort of players that they have at the moment, it's not it's not exactly bastions of virtue where you're like mm, you know like it's they they have they, they have a bunch of weird people. And I think obviously Dundee is a semi big name because of obviously the Dundee United rivalry and having that, you know that sort of uh, having a history and stuff like that. But I don't know. It just seems that like. I feel, feel you maybe hedge your bets. Obviously, like we we can't pretend that every player is going to want to stay with us for the rest of their career. But you know, I mean, it just seems that it, there was other options, and it's, I don't think it'd be the option that I would have taken. I'm happy for him to stay because, as as you say, I don't I don't necessarily think he's going to be one this person, one of these people who downs tools and refuses to do the job and all that, and you know, like you know, pulls his ass and games and stuff like that. It's, I I don't think that is going to be the case. And if anything. I think yesterday there was a little bit of Rudden maybe trying a wee bit too hard to to make it look I, like... I would really disagree with that a lot. I thought he was rotten yesterday. Oh no, that's I mean like he he was trying he was he was trying he was going and being a bit more 
basically he wasn't really thinking about stuff as much as he normally was because I think he's maybe trying to give off the impression that if if that makes sense for you, wash a wee bit too hard and it kind of backfired against him. I don't think he was great, and obviously he got pulled, obviously for other accentuated circumstances. So I don't know, but I don't think we're going to find someone who can replicate that that partnership with Graham in like ten days. So you're kind of you kind of have to have him. But although I did enjoy the chant of "You'll want to come home, Dundee's a shite hole. You'll want to come home." I quite like that. But yeah, we should keep him to the end of the season, but. I, I don't know if it's necessarily the most beneficial move for him. I think for me, the most disappointing thing is the fact that it has been announced just now. I don't really have a problem with him signing a pre-contract. I don't really have a problem with him signing a pre-contract at Dundee. I just think if he was sensible, if it, whoever's advising him was sensible, they should have said, look, we put, we were at Thistle and th- when the actions of Dundee impacted Thistle in a negative way. If I sign this pre-contract, could we maybe keep it quiet until the end of the season and I will join you at the end of the season? I don't think any of us would would have really had a problem with him because it's no secret Dundee will be offering more money than us and if that's the route he wants to go down in his career, that's absolutely fair enough. That's his call. I think it's just the way it's been announced just now, halfway through a season when we are still fighting for promotion. It's not like our season's done by a long shot. And yesterday's game, I, I was quite disappointed by him, to be honest. I didn't think he was doing as much chasing as possible as, as he normally does, especially when you compare it to Graham. And I was maybe quite surprised he started. And I know you've all said you would keep him. And are we going to get a, a, a replacement? And as good in the January's transfer window, I would say we probably wouldn't be scrambling about because I think McCall probably expected Rudden to leave because he's not signed a contract yet and it's been a few months now we've been offering him a contract. So they've probably scouted out replacements for him. And if we get the money in for Rudden this month, then use that money to go and get whoever we've lined up to replace Rudden in the summer and just bring them in just now. And I think that would be a much cleaner situation for everybody. So we'll move on to yesterday, Saturday's cup tie against Airdrie. Zach Rudden was in the starting 11. Um, we also had Brian Graham back in the side at the expense of Robbie Crawford and Kieran McKenna also come into the side for Richard Foster. Jamie, were you happy with the starting 11 yesterday? Yeah, I was happy with the starting 11. I thought that it was a pretty solid team. A couple of players that were playing that I wasn't too surprised at. I thought some people would get some game time, like bringing in McKenna. But I, I thought maybe a couple of other people would get more game time, like having a start for maybe Hendry or possibly Conor Murray, some or McKeever, someone like that. But we went for a pretty strong lineup. No problem with it, though. If you want to get progressed in the cup, that's absolutely fine. I thought the team played pretty well. We, I think Airdrie started the better in the opening 10-15 minutes and then we came into the game and dominated. You know, that Matt Curry pulled off a great save from that Zach Rodden shot and we had a couple of other chances. Tiffany obviously hitting post was unlucky, but it was good for Brian Graham to notch his first goal for a couple. You know, for a while, I think, but possibly is his first goal since the double at air. Graham scores a lot for us, but then I think he has, like, great patches of form. He'll score, like, four goals in four games and then he'll go, like, four or five games without scoring and then he'll score four and four again. So I hope that that theory's proven right for now and was another good run but I was happy with the team and I was happy with the performance I thought we played well and <laughs> the red card for Tunji was never a red card no we'll come on to that but that was a shocking decision and then there was the one with Tiff later on when he's you know been brought down with that guy he's tugging his shirt and you can see in the photos that um, Donald Wilson took the guy's got his hand around him and he's got it on his shirt so I don't, I don't know how that was and the referee made no, no sense yesterday he was completely it wasn't like if I don't think he made like tons of mistakes for the game. It's just all the big calls he got them wrong. We'll definitely come on to the referee in some more detail uh, a bit later on. But Reese, what did you make of Thistle's performance yesterday? Well, before we start, I just want to say what were the squad numbers all about? That's disgusting, mate. And when you're playing with one to eleven, and then you've got a sixteen in there and no number three, I don't know what happened to that. It's not as if like Foster was going to be number three. Like you don't have names on the back. I don't know if it was there was a different size of shirt or something. Strange anyway, but I... I couldn't agree more. Farmer agreed. Yeah, I hated that as well. <laughs> do, you, do you know something, right? Cammy um, Smith with sex and Doc with 10. I, I just, I'm a mate, Matt. Like, no I was going to the Woody and I walked past him, Jackie Hudson, and I walked past him and he's got to, he just said, what are those fucking squad numbers? <laughs> it was the first thing that he mentioned. It was, it's, it's a riot, yeah, man. And it's another a proper, your dad thing to moan about, but it was, it was atrocious, man. Like, what are we doing? Right. I'm quite particular about that, and I always have this debate with my pals. I always say, 
uh, this is pure off topic, but I always say five and six are your centre halves and four is like a CDM. But a lot of people say four and five centre half. But I just feel like that's what the way Fisher used to always do it five and six at the back and like Peyton number four CDM. But anyway, I and another thing, Erdry's centre half. I know he's not a centre half, it was Reese McKay, but he's been playing centre half this season wearing number seven. Disgusting, mate. Christoph Berra at Dundee vibes. But I on, on to the game. We started really slow. Um, and Erdre had a good, a good football inside this season. A lot of times last year, they'd obviously picked up points. And I think they eventually finished second behind us. But they kind of played a bit direct, a bit hoofball and stuff. And they had a, a lot of big bodies. But this year, um, the squ- squad in terms of eight is a lot smaller. And it's more technical players. Um, and at times, they do play good stuff. And we've seen that in uh, the openings of the game. They kind of pressed at the first 10 minutes. But we came into the game and I think it was pretty comfortable from there on out. It could have been two or three before half time. Um, kind of unlucky, only going 1-0 up, um, and then the red card shambles. Like, when I first seen it, to be fair, when I first seen it, I didn't think it was a red, but I could see maybe where the ref was coming from, because Tunji does go to clear it, and then I know it's not he's going through and goal or anything, but because he's last man, and I, I still didn't understand it at the time, but I haven't seen the replay. don't know how it's a red card. Even even then, when we went down to 10 men, I still felt confident. I didn't think Erdre were going to come on to us that much, and to be fair, they didn't really start um, pummeling us with pressure until like 10 minutes from time and even then it was kind of just still tough balls into the box and I didn't really feel threatened at all until they had that uh, chance at the back post and they hit the side netting but apart from that comfortable all round another good clean sheet for the defence and for Sneddon I think our midfield is, is getting better and better every week I think Ross Docker is he's taking his game to a new level every time I see him he's such a good captain for us Bannigan's looking back to his best and I think Robbie Crawford as well was great off the bench so our options are just brilliant in the middle of the park and it's, it's just brilliant to see Big Graham back amongst the goals and he's beating his chest, pointing to the badge and stuff after his goal. That's the difference between him and Rudden. Like you, you know you say that, like Graham's at 34, something like that. Um, maybe back in, the, back in the day, if Graham was 21 and he was in Rudden's position, I, I reckon he would move on because you've seen him at Rafe. He was banging the goals in and got the move to Dungeon United. So it's one of the ones. He's settled down now. He's in love with the club. So... I'm happy, and I think uh, Graham will probably finish his career with the Jags. So I progression into the next round of the Cups what matters most, and that's 13, I think it's 12 years since Erdre last beat us, so it's always good to get the number over them. Happy days. Yeah, long may that continue. Um, I think it was you, David, that said on the podcast when we were talking about the Kilmarnock game last week, would we have won that game even six months ago, a year or two ago, would we have Oh, sorry, would we have come back and got a point or would we just let our heads drop? You've seen us lose that type of game before. I think yesterday was another perfect example. of. I don't think at any point in maybe the last four or five years we would have managed to hold on for that once the red card and once Akinola was sent off yesterday. You saw Jamie Sned make a great save. He was coming out collecting crosses. Holt and Mayo had some, Mayo in particular, had some absolutely exceptional blocks and would our centre-backs in the last four or five years have had the ability and the the will to make those blocks in the, in dangerous situations. I don't know if they would have. Brian Graham chasing down every defender, every ball up front. Have we had a guy like that for the last three or four years? No, we've not really. Tiffany, have we had a guy who's been able to take half a team on in the last four or five years? Again, no, we've not. And then the fans were getting right behind the team. Even the Jackie husband, with the, with the help of Scott Tiffany conducting them towards the end, were making a bit of a noise. And I think McKenna said in his, prima, his post-match interview that made a big difference to the players. So I think the, the last two games, the, the draw against Kilmarnock and the win against Sergio, I think at any time in the last three or four years, they would have been different results. And it's great to see. I think that is the sort of Ian McCall effect. Uh, just the two players you are mentioning there, Tiffany and McKenna, I thought Tiffany was outstanding again. Like same for him, he's getting better and better every week. He's always going to be our outball, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's an offer in for him this month for come the end of the season because he's far too good for us. He's genuinely the standout every week, and if teams can nullify him, then we are we're essentially fucked. We can't really break teams down without Tiffany, and it's just a joy to see him in Thistle shirts. It just reminds me like Tiffany. Um, it just reminds me of Higginbottom in his in his pomp with us. He just so creative, he's a live wire, and it's just genuinely a joy to watch. And also McKenna, I think like he just looks so comfortable right back now. And I think you noticed that yesterday because basically weren't playing with a winger on the right hand side. It was just um, McKenna down there himself because um, Smith was playing so centrally, and I thought he'd done a really good job bombing up and down. And eventually it was his cross that kind of 
led to the goal, but deflected, of course. But he kind of goes, um, doesn't get much credit at all for his job. He's always, people just don't really give him any sort of praise. And I think he's pretty steady and he's good defensively as well. So I, I really like Kieran McKenna. No, I'll back you up on that. I think me and David were on the, the Airdrie Only the Lonely podcast last week and I said um, most of, well, almost all of our attacking threat comes down the left-hand side in open play. But yesterday, I think with McKenna and Smith was the most dangerous we've looked down the right possibly all season. I thought Smith had a really good game before he was taken off as well. Jamie, do you want to come in there? I was just going to say what Reese said about um, Tiff reminding him of Higginbotham a bit. I was saying that at the, at the game yesterday. I was like, imagine you could have a a mix of those two because I feel that Tiff is definitely he's quicker and probably is a bit better taking on a man than Higgy but Higgy had I'd say well, more technical than Tiff he had a better shot on him and like a better free kick a better cross on I was like emerge of those two emerge of those two players Tiggy get one get the Tiggy in the team because man the, the, the merge of those two players would be ridiculous because I think both of them are probably the two best wingers we've had at the club in the last decade almost David what about you what were your thoughts on yesterday's win yeah, I thought that we looked quite poor up until the until we scored. I thought Airdrie were all over us um, and were probably unlucky not to have scored. But once we did score, the, we were really buoyed by that. And I think Airdrie kind of head dropped a wee bit as well. We went, you know, we went a bit crazy in terms of you know just absolutely throwing stuff at them, and they really couldn't handle it. And we went into next gear. Um, the Tunji red card. I watched it back, and it's it's a really peculiar one. Um, I don't I I don't really get it, especially when you consider the the foul and Tiff down um, later on. But we oh, it, it was strange because I'd missed it, the the Tunji red card, so I came back to see that Zach Crudden had been replaced by Stephen Hendry, and was just like, what the actual fuck is going on? And then I realised that Tunji had been sent off. I was like, all right, okay, that I mean, makes a bit more sense. But um, yeah, I think I think Airdrie, you know, in the last ten minutes, as I said, you, you know, they they started throwing stuff at us and they, they kind of reverted to type from last season and they they were playing a bit more hoofball, just launching balls in and stuff like that. And I think that we were reasonably confident. Like I think that's one of the things that we've not had in so many seasons is that you, you kinda have a confidence in your defence whereby even when we are under pressure, you don't expect them to just completely crumble. Whereas I think a lot of defences, even with good defenders that we've had in the past, there was always that threat. You, you don't really find that threat much now. It's not something you feel too often now when you're watching that defence. Um, and yeah, we, we ground it out and the fans really helped. And it was a good atmosphere. Obviously, the less said about the away fans, you know, the better. But it was a good atmosphere regardless. And it, it, was, it, was, an, it was a fun game, but I don't know if it was necessarily a good game. If that makes sense. Yeah, um, I think it was a fun one to be at rather than a fun one to watch. Yeah, definitely. I don't want to spend too long on the referee because I don't think we're going to have many disagreements. I sort of semi-agree with Reece, Like I can just about see why the referee made the Akinola red card decision, even though I think it was the totally wrong one. The inexplicable one for me was the Tiffany one, and I'm glad that didn't really have a bearing in the result. That was right in front of me. So Tiffany's got the ball by the goalkeeper, by the, the last surgery man, which I think was McCabe, and he's got an open goal, and he goes to ground. And what does the referee think has happened that Tiffany would go to ground after a tangle with the Airdrie player? What does he think has possibly stopped Tiffany just taking the ball and putting in a goal? That, to me, was the inexplicable one. I did a bit of digging on the SFA and SPFL websites earlier, and I think if Akinola's appeal, which we are appealing, as McCall said yesterday, is unsuccessful, then it'll be the Dundee United Cup tie he will miss rather than our broth this weekend. Does anyone have anything they'd like to say about the referee decisions, uh, or will we move on? He's a dick. (laughs) Earlier this week, I caught up with Ewan Smith, Sports reporter at The Courier to preview Saturday's trip to Arbroath. Colours of the wind. 
Joining me now to preview Saturday's game away to Arbroath is Courier, sports reporter and Arbroath fan, Ewan Smith. Ewan, thanks for coming back on the podcast. How are you doing? You well? Oh, oh thanks very much, Matt. It was really great to be on before and I'm pleased to be back on. Um, I think you guys, um, before I, I spoke to you last time, you, you guys came up to Gayfield and it was a, a hell of a day for you. The weather wasn't great um, and the football was great from a bros perspective but it wasn't so good for Partick's perspective but I think both teams have moved on since that day um, and it's promises to be an absolute cracker I believe on Saturday Yeah, I, we have a, we've got a terrible record against our bros I think our, our bros are unbeaten in five against us since we were relegated so they're definitely our bogey side What sort of game are you expecting on, on Saturday? Uh, tense. Um, I really do think it's tense. It's getting to that. It's getting almost to what they say the business end of the season now, isn't it? I mean, you're looking at it 22 games in from a bros perspective. I know Partick have got a couple of games in hand, but both teams have title ambitions. I mean, you you win your two games in hand, Partick are right up there. A bros are now no longer at a stage where they can kid on that they're just wanting to avoid relegation because clearly that. Clearly, they've avoided relegation. Um, I mean, they're far too far ahead of uh, Dunfermline to, to, for that to even be a concern. They're also probably clear, uh, clearly ahead of a stage where they can say um, they're not likely to finish in the top uh, five because of the points difference. So I think because of that, Partick really need a win. And because our broth are, are clearly should be gunning for, for the title or at the very least a playoff spot, it's going to be tense. I both have been so reliable this season. Um, I mean, in the big games, I mean, I was looking at their, their list of wins. I mean, they've beaten every single side in the league, bar Air United. They're not at the top of the table by accident or because other sides have been poor. They've been very good. I mean, you, you, you'll see it yourself. They won at Firhill. Yeah. Um, they won convincingly at Firhill, you know that. They won at Inverness. They won at Kilmarnock. And then most recently, probably they were expecting to be the biggest game season. They won down at Rafe Rovers. So they've beaten all the teams in the top five. So they're on great form. But I know that Partick are a dangerous side as well. And I, I rate Ian McCall quite highly as a manager. And I think that he's good at winning one-off games. So I wouldn't fully write Partick off um, giving our both a really tough game. I'll come on to ask you about the key players Thistle fans should be looking out for for Abroth on Saturday. But first, I want to ask, the first half of the season, Abroth were, were very free scoring. And a lot of that was down to Joel Nubley up front with, with mm-hmm. Anton Dowd as well. Both of them have returned to their parent clubs. How big a blow is that to Abroth? And do you expect them to be strong in the second half of the season without them? Well, do you know, I mean, we've been building up to this Joel Nubley departure for quite some time. And it's actually, it's heartbreaking. It's almost like the holiday romance that you never wanted to end, you know, but you knew it was going to come to an end as soon as the holiday finished, you know. It was a little bit like that with Joel Nubley. Heartbreaking sounds like a strong phrase, but I think a lot of Abro fans are a little bit heartbroken that Joel Nubley's moved back to Livingston. But at the same token, what he gave to that club, both on and off the park, in such a short space of time, means that he'll be forever a hero in the Abro fans' eyes, and they will wish him very well at Livingston. They're determined for him to actually do well and have a successful career. For me, he is just an outstanding talent. I mean, he's he's far and away too good for the championship, as I can see. I mean, he's, he's so technically gifted on the ball. He just offers something completely different. I've not seen a player like that even in the top flight that can play the way he plays football. I'm not saying he's the best player in the top flight, but his style of football is so hard to pigeonhole. Is a massive loss to Arbroath, no doubt about that, because he offers that a certain je ne sais quoi, as they say, you know, just something something unpredictable, something different. Um, Anton Downs is an interesting one. The, the loss of him, initially, he took a while to get going at Arbroath, but when he got going, boy, did he get going. Uh, I mean, he really was a pivotal player for Arbroath, um, and, and he scored the goal that put our both to the top of the table just around Christmas time. So both of them were massive loss. But what our both have done is they've lost those two players and they've brought in Jack Hamilton from Livingston. So Livingston have obviously said, we're taking Joel Nubley back, but you can have Jack Hamilton. And they've also 
pulled off what I think is an absolute masterstroke of a signing by getting Craig Whiting to come in. Now, Craig Whiting, for me, is the Joel Nubley replacement because Joel Nubley, despite all his amazing skill and what he did, he scored four goals for Abroth. Craig Whiting, I don't think, is an out-and-out goal scorer that'll score a load of goals, but what he's got is that guile, that craft, that creativity, and we saw that in Abroth's win over Darville at the weekend. He played an absolute sublime through ball with the outside his right boot to set up Jack Hamilton. And Jack Hamilton is a striker striker. He scored three goals. He he is an out and out goal scorer. So actually I both have lost two very, very pivotal players in the first half of the season. But I think they've worked really, really shrewdly in the transfer market to replace them. So I think the partnership of Whiten and Jack Hamilton can cause Partick a lot of problems as well. Yeah, we've been raving about Tunjiak and Ola our centre half this season, but Nubly battered him in both games. He's the only player we've seen Akinola struggle to deal with. So I think we're, we're glad we won't see Nubly again on Saturday. So hopefully Akinola can get the better of, of uh, Whiten and Hamilton. Are there any other danger men that Thistle needs to look out for? I mean, obvious one's Michael McKenna. I mean, Michael McKenna's been phenomenal for Abro this season. Um, and I'm really pleased for him because he's such a humble guy, such a, a down-to-earth, lovely guy who is part of this growing group of players that Dick Campbell is taking through the leagues. You know, he's he's spoken about it in the past. He's probably got a core group of about six or seven players who have who have been on that journey with him from League Two coming all the way through the leagues, you know, and, and they've improved every time they've moved up a level. McKenna's in the form of his life. I mean, he's, he's such a difficult player to deal with because he's skillful on the ball, but he's also hardy in a tackle. If the game goes descends into a bit of a battle, McKenna will be the guy that you want at the forefront of the battle. But if the game requires somebody to sneak into the box and get on the end of something, he's also capable of doing that. He's one of the top goal scorers in the league this year. Uh, he's he's won several Player of the Month awards. Um, I would expect him to be high up in the Players' Player uh, awards when it comes to PFA awards at the end of the season. So he's a difficult one. But another player that really causes, really has come in and made an impact since he's been out injured is Nicky Lowe. You'll know all about Nicky Lowe played. He started his career, he was up in Aberdeen, he's played at Dundee, he had serious injuries um, and was going to quit football at the age of 27, but instead of quitting football, he, he dropped down levels and he's, he's playing part-time football, but he, he's a, a great, talented football player on the ball. Um, but the thing, and I know I keep saying this, the, the, the real strength about Abroof isn't the individual players, it's the team, it's the collective group, it's the it's the ethos that surrounds the club just now, that the club is all one, the community, the, the, the local businesses, the directors, the backroom staff, the team on the park, the players that are not playing, it is such a, a tight-knit group right now that that's the difficulty for part and there'll be a big crowd because our bro fans are are really buying into what's happening this season and they're turning up in numbers record season ticket sales of over 1100 but they will probably i would anticipate have closer to 2000 home supporters and i know partick like a wee day out up at gayfield um hopefully the wind's blowing for you because i know you don't like it when it's windy um but it's it's going to be a cracker and our bro fans are in a bizarre, strange position of going into a lot of games this season now, feeling confident they're going to win. I certainly hope it will be a good game. I think it will be. I'm just looking forward to the, the smoky supper. That's always the highlight up there. <laughs> um, quickly, just a score prediction for Saturday's game. Oh, you put me on the spot, yeah. But I'm always Mr Optimistic. I, I think it will be 2-1 to our growth, and that could be massive. Um, I broth have got Kilmarnock on the Friday night after that on BBC. So they've got two massive games at home coming up in the league. And if they're if they're to win those two games with twelve games to go, you start to think, God, maybe this actually might be a broth's year. And that was my final question to you. In a word, will a broth be playing in the Premiership next season? Yes. I like your optimism. Uh, just before you go, Ewan, I know in your, your job now with the Courier, you cover Dundee United. Um, just quickly, Thistle have drawn Dundee United in the Cup. What what should Thistle expect from Dundee United? And do you give Thistle any chance in that one? I do give Thistle a chance in that game, actually. I mean, I alluded to it earlier on. I'm, I, I am a fan of Ian McCall, and I think that Ian McCall 
is a very good cup tie manager as well. I mean, obviously he was a manager at Dun United historically as well. So there is that little bit of added needle that he, you know, he'll maybe have a point to prove. Down in Glasgow particularly um, makes it difficult. Dun United until Saturday had been on a really poor run of form. They'd lost six in a row. It's actually their worst losing run in the league in 16 years. The, the little bit of golden touch that they had at the start of the season where I, they were in the top three and I thought, you know, they're pushing for Europe. That had deserted them. However, they've rediscovered a little bit of form on Saturday. The, sign, the signing of Tony Watt is fantastic from Dundee United's point of view. Top scorer in the, in the Scottish Premiership. And looks a very intelligent footballer. Um, looks like he'll link up really well with Mark McNulty, who has been injured for four and a half months, but is back. So I think it'll be a, a tough game for Patrick Fissel. Um If Dundee United can show some of the form they showed against Kilmarnock, I would be confident from Dundee United's perspective get a result, but it's not going to be easy at all. I don't know. I mean, I don't know your situation as with Zach Rudden, for instance. You'll be able to tell me that. Is Zach Rudden actually, is he permanently going to, to Dundee before um, before the window shuts, you know? So that would be, that could be a problem for, for um, Partick's perspective as well. At the, at the moment, as we speak, that I think that's unknown. He's definitely signed a pre-contract, but I think it'll be just dependent on whether the club's going to agree a fee, but I don't think they have at the moment. Um, Ewan, thanks very much for joining us. That was a great insight and all the best for the rest of the season, apart from when you, you come up against the Jags again. You're welcome. Thanks. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. You, you guys love your football and that's 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 all we can ask for, you know. Football football fans across the country, it's great to, to have you all back watching games as well, which is, which is all, what it's all about. That is. Thanks very much, Ewan. Take care. Thank you. Take care. We'll move on then. So I'll just come round just quickly. What are your thoughts on the cup draw? Dundee United at home in the last 16. We're only two games away from Hamden. Do you think we can do it? Are you happy with the draw? Would you have liked someone else? Anyone want to come in on that one just quickly? I think it's a bit of a bit of a boring draw to be honest. I don't know if they're I don't know if Dundee United fans say the same, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Because I said it in the chat yesterday. I think I got one of the dates wrong that I put in, but Dundee United is I think the club we must have drawn in the cup in recent years. Or in the last decade, anyway. Second most to Celtic because we've drawn them. This is the fifth time we drew them in the League Cup in 2013. Then we drew them in the League Cup again in 2016. We drew them in the Scottish Cup in 2016. Last year in 2021, and once again in 2022. So we just keep drawing them. So I just feel it's just another repetitive cup draw. I just kind of wish we could get someone like yesterday, an Annan away, a Peterhead away, a Kelty away, a new away day. I just Want a new away day? We barely get them these days. I feel the cup. We just keep getting the same teams on our look in the cup. Just want a new away day, but I'll take it over like getting the old form or getting like Habadino away or something. I'd take it on the United home for sure. Uh, it's definitely a, a winnable tie because I actually forgot that we actually had them in the Scottish Cup last season, and for eighty minutes of that game, we were definitely the better side, and that was when we were like mid-table in League One. We weren't exactly in great form at that point. Uh, it was Tiffany's second or third game for us. Um, and obviously he got the goal that day. And then the clear foul on Senna led to them winning the game. So it was a bit it was a bit of a sore one to take. So it's definitely a winnable tie. And I'd probably say, I can't, I can't say they've weakened since last season. I, and I can't say that I've watched much Dundee United. But they don't have Lauren Shackland anymore. I know they've replaced him with Tony Watt. But Tony Watt's never been the most prolific striker. He's going for a bit of a purple patch at the moment. So... When that tie does come around, I think it'll be a good game. And I was actually, um, I was mentioning it the other night when I was watching the Hibs Cove game. I was saying that I'd like to see us um, up against a, premier, a premiership side nowadays because I think the last time we beat one was um, would have been Ross County under Caldwell. And 
I would I would generally like to see us compete because I think we'll put up a good fight even against the likes of Hibs and Hearts. I think it'd be a good game because um, we're a far better side now than we were two seasons ago. So who knows? I'll come round you all with a yes or no question. Just quickly before we move on to another listener question, just so just yes or no. It's five years now since we finished in the top six. Is this the best we have been since then, since April 2017? Is this the best team in the best moment in five years? Yes or no? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. 100%. Don't think there's any doubt about that because that, well, last year, of course, when we won the league towards the end and then currently playing the best football easily since we became top six. Yeah, no, I agree. I think we're, we're better than the team that got relegated and we are the best we have been since we get relegated by quite a way. So, yeah, I'm in agreement with that. David, I'll come to you with our, our last listener question. It's from Paul Murray. He's asked, where does Lewis Mayo rank in our long list of, of loan signings? I think Ken Boswell said in the Facebook group he's the best one we've ever had from any of the old firm. I don't think I'd disagree with that. Where does Mayo rank in terms of loan signings for you? No, definitely. I mean, in terms of just like sort of going going through the Rolodex in your head of all the players you got from the old firm, we've had players that have you know, done stuff and all that, but nothing like this. Like, yeah, he's, he is incredible and yeah, it's going to be a real shame when it goes back to Rangers. Um, and I can't think of a better loanee. Certainly, like, since the championship, a better loanee than, than than him. It's it, There's no one that even really comes that close, I don't think. I don't want to sound harsh, but I, I don't, I'm not. he's definitely in my top three, but I don't know what order these top three loanees would be in. Him, Lyle Taylor and Scott Tiffany last season, all three of them made, have made a tremendous impact. And I kind of feel it's a bit unfair to say one's far ahead of the others. I think they've all made such a great impact in their own way that those three. Lyle Taylor was the other one that I thought of. Like, like, like I thought because, but he, he, he was on loan and then he came in on a permanent, did he not? He came back to no, his permanent. He was on, no, he was on loan twice. He's on loan twice. All right, okay, yes, yeah, so I probably Lyle Taylor and yeah, Tiffany last season. Obviously, like it was only for what six or seven weeks, but it was it was fantastic. But I think. I think at the end of the season, um, if you base Mayo on the full season, I think he will be up there with, with Tiffany's like six weeks, just because of longevity and obviously the record. I think if you look at the career Lyle Taylor's had, and he's now sort of an established English championship striker, I think Mayo could probably go beyond that. I think if he doesn't break into Rangers' first team, I think his next move will probably be English Championship and he's got all the attributes I think to be definitely a Scotland centre-half in the future which probably means sort of top end of the Championship sneaking into the, the English Premier League I think I think he's that good and I think we'll probably look back in five or ten years fingers crossed he stays away from injuries or like getting no game time at Rangers and stuck there for a couple of years without playing but if he's out regularly playing I think we'll look back in five or ten years and think of how lucky we were to have Lewis Mayo at the club I thought he was absolutely exceptional yesterday as well yeah, I'd agree. I think, as I've said many, many a time on this podcast, Lewis Mayo is probably my favourite player at the moment. Just something about the way he plays, like with the ball at his feet and how strong he is in the challenge. I know we said a couple of times like he's made a few rash decisions and gave away penalties, but the timing of his tackles yesterday, I think there was two that were unbelievable. The ball was bouncing, it was just waiting for the striker to get a shot away. And he's made like last-ditch flying tackles and won the ball beautifully. Like There's so many aspects of his game that are already perfect at such a young age so I'm I'm excited to see how his career is going to pan out and I, I do it to see him on a permanent official but he's destined for bigger things in the Jags and as you say it's it's one of the ones you need to cherish just now him and I can all are both because they're both going to have good careers in the game and Mayo is an absolute unit and you can tell I obviously don't know the guy personally but I feel like you can tell that he's a humble guy he looks like he's he's pretty just goes about his business you don't really see too much about him there's no sort of baggage with him at all just a big strong boy at the back who loves playing his football and hopefully we'll get to see plenty more success in the Fisco jersey yeah I hope so we'll move on to have a look at Saturday's game back in league action at Gayfield and our broth David we've got a poor record at our broth in recent years we've had three visits since our relegation from the the top flight and we've only picked up one point and that was under Gary Caldwell what do we need to do differently to have a more successful day out on Saturday? 
Oh, God. Um, I mean, I, I do think this will be the hardest game of the season for us. Our broth are flying at the moment. We really struggled it with last time with, um, you know, Gayfield. It's the 29th or 28th of January at our broth. We have been on the last week of January to our broth and know how bad it is. Um, and, like, our, our broth are absolutely, you know, They've got, they literally, pardon the pun, they've got the wind uh, behind their sails. And I think, I'm going to do a resale day in here. I'm going to say if we win this game, we're winning the title. Whether we win it, I don't know. But, like, it's it's going to be very, very difficult. This is a proper test of character for them. Like, a, a full-on, if you can do this, you can do anything. Rhys, that is a, is a very you claim that David has just made. Are you going to back him up if we win? On Saturday, is that key for the season? Well, I did say if we beat Kelly, then we'd win in the league, and I've said that already this season. But I do think, as David said, it would be a real, real statement of intent if we go and get three points at the weekend. Because you look at the the ground, we can make up with the games in hand as well. If we get three points for each of those games in hand, then we're right up there. And I do think if we beat our broth, then that probably makes us the form side in the league. I think we've lost once. We've actually lost once since October, I think it is. September, something crazy in the league anyway. I know we lost to Queen of the South in the Challenge Cup, but the form that we're on at the minute, we've lost five games all season and, and to be fair, it has been to the teams around and about us. Um, and as McCall said in his interview, the league's probably going to be decided on the points that you can pick up against the teams at the bottom half. I mean, you look at Inverness yesterday, one kind of went under the radar because everyone was focused on the Scottish Cup. They uh, dropped points away to Dunfermline. That's a, it's a pretty bad result for them. Dunfermline sitting at the bottom of the table. And Rafe look like Rafe look like they're on the slide. Inverness haven't looked too convincing recently. So I'd say if we do somehow manage to beat Abrolf, I'd love Abrolf to just come off the rails. But I mean, they brought in that Jack Hamilton. He scores a hat trick yesterday. So and I think he's probably he's, he's a better striker, goal scorer anyway, better goal scorer than both Nubly and Anton Dowd. So I don't think they're going to be a weak inside by any means. But three points is huge, and if we do win it will be there or thereabouts. Jamie, any changes you'd make to the starting eleven for Saturday's game? Or any changes you'd make to specifically counter the threat that our growth pose? Starting eleven that started yesterday's game, I'd be happy to see that again. I'm not sure if Foster will come back into the fold. I know he was injured. Archie mentioned that in the pre match interview. So him and McKenna maybe be the only difference to see in that squad. He might want to um try and bring Crawford into the lineup again. I'm not sure. It depends what he goes with. If he goes a one or two up top, but I kind of want us to go with two up top, put Graham and Gordon up there and just go from it from the start. We do have a pretty woeful record against Arbroath. You know, since they've come back up, four games, one draw, three defeats. It's not great. But in the first half up there around the season, we were playing well. And obviously, individual errors that day cost us. And if we can go in and put in a good performance, a result here would go a long way for the season. Oh, you are right, Jamie. The, it's not just the record at Gayfield that's poor, it's the record against Abroth that's poor because they've also won both games at Fur House. So I think that is five games, I mean, you're right, against Abroth and just one draw in Gary Caldwell's trip there. David, on you go. I was going to say, obviously, you mentioned about how we've only lost five games this season. And if you look at the five games that we've lost, excluding the League Cup, obviously, but like the League and then well, the Challenge Cup, when you look at like the Inverness game, we were up in the first half. Our broth as well, and the individual errors courses, which we seem less prone to as well. The, the Queen of the South one was a wonder goal. And then somebody, you know, you know Steve Hendry slipping in like the 92nd minute to make it 2-0. The, the only one that's been really that convincing is probably is probably our, our broth the last time. Um, and even the Rafe Rovers one, I mean, we did fight back and show a little bit of fight at the end. Like, Aye, it's, it's going to be a really, really tough game for us, but it is, it is a real statement of intent. And like, I think McCall's probably been thinking about this game for a while. This is the one that we've targeted. Because if we get this and win our games in hand, we are right there. And I think that, and as well as that, if we can kind of stop the Abro juggernaut, you know, we the, the ball's in our court, so to speak, with that. And yeah, it's going to be huge. But you, I'm excited to see how McCall approaches it because I don't think you can just do this. The, we are a better side than we were the last time we played them at Gayfield, but you're definitely going to have to show a bit of adaptability, I think, in this game. I'm not so sure I agree that like we'll have, we'll have targeted this game because I think the championship is so competitive that 
I think we can only take it one one game at a time. You see bottom team beat top team all the time. But I, I do agree. I think it's also important to dent our brothers' confidence so quickly after they lost um, Dowds and Nubly. I know they won against Wraith um, a couple, uh, last week and they had a convincing one in the cup yesterday with Hamilton scoring a hat-trick. But I think to, to win there and to break the, the sort of hoodoo and the, the, the spell that they've had over us in recent years will be really important. And we've not won away for a while, I don't think, now. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think we've won away since, is it air in November? It's been a couple of months since we've won away. So I think it'll be good to get another, or a, a, a rare away victory as they are now. Do you know yesterday was the first time we'd scored um, towards the John Lambie stand since Cammy Smith's header against air? That's right. No way. That was a long time ago, wasn't it? That's a long time ago. That's a good one. You know. I'll come round you all quickly for score predictions before we move on. So just uh, quick score predictions for our growth on Saturday. Jamie, on you go. Uh, it's a difficult one because of our terrible record. Of... My head's saying two each, but I'm going to go 1-0 festival. I'm going to go 1-0 festival. Why not? Keep a clean sheet. Sounds good this evening. Reese, score prediction? Uh, it's, it's going to be tight. I don't think it's going to be, I don't think it'll be a drubbing either way. Um, for Fissel or Arbroath, but I'm going to stick with my heart. I'm going to say 2-1 Jags. We'll get a massive three points on the road. David? Uh, we showed yesterday that we can, we have that sort of granite behind us so when teams are putting us under pressure and playing very physical because it was a very, uh, it was a bit of a toxic game, to be honest. There was, you know, shoving and stuff and it looked like it could kind of boil over at any point and we kind of kept ahead and we, we managed to grind out a result that, again, as we said, in years back gone by, we probably wouldn't have won. Um, that's a really good sign going into Arbroath because I think it's going to be a hellish game and hellish weather and it's going to be really, really tough. But I'll go 1-0 as well, Fissel. Well, for, firstly, I predict that I'm going to have a really tasty lunch because it will be uh, smoky suppers all around on on Saturday. I've got two correct score predictions in a row now, so I'm, I'm on a roll. I'm going for a hat-trick. I'm going to go for 2-2. I think there will be goals in the game. Graham getting his first goal since that last away win, I think it'll be good for his confidence. I think he'll score. Our growth are always a threat. I think we've struggled to deal with them all season. It is the one game, it is the one team that I think Akinola struggled against. So I wouldn't maybe be adverse to see Crawford come into the side just to have an extra body sort of sit in front of the back four. But I'm going to go 2-2 for Saturday's game. Would you take 2-2 if I offered you it just now? I think I would, to be honest. I think I would, just to stop our growth running any further clear. We would still be in touch with a lot of games to go, so I think I probably would. Uh, I think I think you're probably right, to be honest. But aye, uh, if it was if it was quarter four, if it was the last game against our growth of the season, I'd maybe say no. But I think our growth are still they're still flying high. They've not shown any decline yet, so it's by no means a weaker or growth, so I think I probably would at this stage of the season take a draw. Now we're going to take a break to go to our first of hopefully many Pie of the Month sections. Partick Thistle. So I'm joined by David Forrest. We have been given early access to the Four Hill Pie of the Month, which this month is a kebab pie, thanks to Brian Welsh and Pie Sports for that. Before we start, we're just going to talk about our, our favourite pies in Scottish football. And David, you have a, a strange, almost ritual with your pies when you, you buy them at Scottish football grounds. Do you want to talk us through that? Yeah, so I'm not a, I'm not a big pie man myself. However, um, um, my, my wife hates football but loves pies. So that's sort of a a tax as a, a payment. In fact, if she comes and picks me up from daft places and gives me a list of where and all that, I will buy a pie at the grounds and take it home from her regardless of where it is. So I've been on nights out, been to gigs and stuff like that with pies in my pocket. Regardless of Arbro, Inverness, the lot. Um, so and I, I, she's basically my guinea pig for the pies where I'll get her to try them. Uh, she she has her opinions. I think, the, I think interestingly, they're quite different from yourself. Because I know you sort of your 
the ones we like and, and don't like. But um, yeah, it's, it is a, a ritualistic thing. I've had a lot of very good. They gave me they gave me tin foil for my pie to keep it warm and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's yeah. She loves the pies. Um, I think if you asked her what football team she supported, she'd probably say Bedford Rangers based on the pie alone. She went to Bedford Rangers and she loved it so much. Um, but that and Ockham like Talbot. She loves those two. Those are our two favourites. And strangely. She likes Hamilton's as well. I know you're not a big fan of Hamilton Ackies, but she says it's the closest anyone's ever got to making a Greg's pie. She, yeah, I always enjoy taking a pie home for her. I like the idea that you're just cutting about with pocket meat, sort of Bob Mortimer <laughs> style. No, I remember your wife said that she liked the, the Stranra pie, and that was the worst pie I've ever had. But I did that pie league table a few years ago, and by far the best pie in the country, I think, is the Staggy pie up at Ross County. But they changed their pie supplier, so I'm not too sure if they do it anymore. We'll need a trip up there. Hopefully in the Premiership next season. It's well up there. And then in terms of the other two, I seem to remember it was just that particular season. Aaron Morton doing really delicious and greasy Scotch pies with you got the foil and the foil was full of grease after it, which is a sign that you have had a good Scotch pie. Will we try the kebab pie then, David? Yeah, you, you can you can try the kebab pie. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. Hopefully you're not okay. slaving your corporate masters and if it's terrible, you'll tell us it's terrible, but I know. Now I've tried to get the, the pie sales up at Fahill. Now I've not got a knife and fork. I'm going for the full experience of, of football pie. So it's a kebab pie with sweet chilli sauce in the middle, so I'm quite excited. Got to say, it hits the spot. Yeah. I'm guessing probably at least a quarter of people who go to Fur Hill at 3 o'clock on a Saturday are probably going to be hungover. If you are hungover, that is exactly what you're after. You've got your kebab meat in there. A little bit of spice, but it's, it's very tasty. It doesn't taste quite as processed as a kebab meat. I'd say it's sort of in between steak pie and scotch pie with a bit of spice. Very tasty, would recommend. So you'll be picking one up for your wife, David. Absolutely. Um, yeah, definitely. And it's good to see because we, um, I, I, even though I'm not a big pie lover, I, I, do, I do enjoy a kebab, but I'm very pernickety about my kebabs. I won't just go anywhere. Uh, there is usually a sort of upper tier and lower tier of um, like kebab meat or whatever, depending on how stingy they are. And you can usually tell straight away whether they're the good one or the bad one. Um, so good to know that they've got some decent meat in there. Um, I'm all for these mad scientists who are just chasing wild pies um, out of just mad uh, concoctions. Um, I think Brie can have one that's got stories in it and stuff like that. Um, that's uh, But, you know, I, I love these. I want more of these mad scientist pie combinations, definitely. I want I want a breakfast pie without beans in it. The beans are putting me off breakfast pies, but I must say the thistle pies have really improved, I think, this season since Pie Sports come in. So... Make sure you get yourself to a stall in the next month and pick up one of those kebab pies because they are the gear, especially if you're hungover. Yeah, nice. Anyway, delicious pie. Thank you to Pie Sports. Make sure you pick up a kebab pie at Fur Hill in the next month. David, thank you for joining me. No problem, me. and I hope you enjoy your pie. Partick Thistle. Partick Thistle. We'll move on to our Partridge Thistle section. Um, Reese and Jamie have had plenty of time to think about this, but after the, the outburst of David Linden yesterday, backing up the, uh, the similar outburst from Alan Brown earlier in the season after the victory at Rugby Park, I'm going to ask you, if you were an MP, how would you choose to embarrass yourself online? I see. I My issue is, is that my entire life is just like a, a kaleidoscope of quite socially shameful um, hobbies. Uh, I watch wrestling uh, I, I, <laughs> and um, I, I support Patrick Vessel um, and all my. But I think my musical taste would be the one that would, that would bring me down. Um, I mentioned before I'm a big metalhead so no doubt I, I have thought about if I was an MP my downfall would probably be people finding out all the sort of 
horrifically violent and blasphemous stuff I listened to as a as a teenager and still now to be honest. But um, I am a big Eurovision fan. Um, it is Eurovision qualifying season at the moment, um, and I feel that if I was an MP, I would probably end up spending most of my time on Twitter liking and commenting on obscure Eurovision stuff for about four months. Um, and that's what that's what would be my downfall. Uh, just I, I I love it, and yeah, I think I would probably end up using my official account to do that. That's probably the most embarrassing one that I that would have got. But um, shouldn't be embarrassed about it. There's no such thing as a guilty pleasure. Just pleasures. Jamie, talking a guilty pleasure. I watch uh, EastEnders with <laughs> with my family. It's the it's my piece of garbage TV that you, everyone has to have that trash tv that they watch uh so that's our show so i'd end up probably putting out a poll on my mp account to uh get people to think who did a who done it i want to see what the public think so that that probably the crap that i would post on it reese yeah i don't really know what i would do personally but i just want to ask like why are so many mps getting rattled by the performances of party fiscal this season because we're just going about our business, winning games of football, and then you go and check Twitter, and you've got random MPs you've never heard of. Absolutely rattled saying we're cheating when we get a guy sent off for clearing the ball. It's mad, to be fair. The last thing that would be this game as well. Was, like, if I was in a position of any sort of power, I know, I know as MPs you probably don't have too much power, but you're quite a, an officious person. I would not be tweeting daft fucking tweets about Fissel anyway, do you know what I mean? Just... Stay in your lane, mate. Tweet about politics because you clearly don't know what you're talking about. Fucking Fissel or getting any sort of decisions from referees. The last two weeks we've been shafted by refs, so I don't know what games that guy was watching, but I hope we rattle plenty more MPs by the end of this season. I, I want to rattle as many people possible. Seems <laughs> mentality. I, 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 have a, I have a theory about this is that we are, you know, we are the cuddly alternative. And that everyone can kind of get, stick their own in about this because you'll never you'll never see politicians, uh, you know, the, the PR people don't care enough about this to tell them not to tweet about this. If it was at Rangers or Celtic, their press officers would be like, absolutely fucking not. Give me the keys to your Twitter. Uh, you're not posting this. But because it's Fissel, everyone everyone doesn't bother. And um, I um, I think it's the, Ian McCall has probably got a big a big part of it. Uh, uh, Ian McCall's sort of like a teacher at school who, if you're in his class, you love him. If he's not, if you're not in his class, you think he's a dick. And I think that kind of radiates a little bit, and I think it just winds up in peace. And I am all here for it. We're an unstoppable force. I think that is it. The last couple of times that football shut down in this country, it's come literally hours after we scored a last-minute goal. So the last-minute goal against Wraith in December, and it was all on a football stadium shut down. We scored the last minute equaliser against Dunfermline. The whole country had to go into lockdown. The the MPs and the MSPs just can't take Thistle having a bit of power, having a bit of good times in the game, and they they want it to stop. And long may it continue. Thistle rattling the treasury. The treasury are sweating every time we score a last minute goal. Like fuck, how much are we going to have to get the furlough now? Last season when the government grants Fissel got about five grand and Alla were getting about two million. So they actually don't want to see us win. They don't want to see success from the Jags and I'm happy to just keep going for the MPs, mate. The government are scared of what a successful party Fissel could do. We all know it's true. Absolutely. <laughs> Scottish football needs a strong party Fissel. I think just come back just come back to the question, I embarrassed myself on Twitter the other night by posting a picture of a toilet that I thought had a funny name on it. It said Thomas Crapper on it. Posted that thinking, oh that that'll get a few few laughs. Turns out he invented the toilet. So it'd probably be like total ignorance that would make me look a tit if I was an MP on Twitter. Well it's total ignorance that makes me look a tit on Twitter now. So why would that change if I was an MP? I was gonna say MP or not MP, some would argue we embarrass ourselves every time that we post something on social media, so I don't yeah. know how it'd be any different as MPs. Yeah, every day's a school day though, so good to know that Mr T Crapper invented the toilet. Good work. As always, thanks very much for joining us on Draw, Lose or Draw. We will be back this Friday with a very special episode with a very special guest. After that, we'll be back the following week to look back on our game at our growth. In the meantime, stay safe. Stay safe.